That's one of the things that I don't think any of the uh, original apostles had to contend with. Technology. They just preached wherever they were. They didn't have to worry. Sometimes they were in a, um, uh, maybe in a, a situation where like uh, a, a forum or some kind of a arena that was designed to project their voices. But uh, you know what? We are going to make this about Jesus just as we sang, right? That's what we're going to do today. So I'm going to share with you today from Colossians chapter 3. I'm going to have you turn there. And uh, as you see on uh, the PowerPoint that's up there, I'm pulling from verse 17 the, this thought for our title today. Do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus. And it's found in Colossians 3.17. I'll get to that in a minute. So last week, uh, because of the uh, potential storm that we had, the hurricane winds, we did not meet in person. Uh, many of our congregants travel from far, like Banning and I come from Riverside and so do other people. So I thought, you know what, better to uh, err on the side of caution. So we just did it online. So how many of you were online last week with us? Okay, so I hope uh, maybe you heard the sermon. That was my first sermon in a series that I'm doing right now. And it's about our mission as a church and our vision. So the church has a mission according to God's word. And then the church, because of the mission that we find in God's word should have a vision that corresponds to it. In other words, they should be the same. You know, unfortunately, they have God's word, and then we have churches that just do something different than God's word. So I started last week by speaking about first things first when it comes to being a believer. Amen? We looked at Matthew's gospel where he, and most of us know the verse by memory, the seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these other things shall be added unto you. So we need not worry about how, how, what we'll eat, how we'll dress, and uh, you know, where we'll live. You know? And of course Jesus spoke about the fact that uh, you know, the lilies of the field, they're adorned greater than the glory of Solomon, right? They don't even worry about it. They just are. It talked about drink and it talked about food. And we saw that, you know, the Lord takes care of the birds in the air, right? Do you think they worry about like, you know, the, um, I don't know, the strategies of the day to figure out how they're going to feed themselves and where they're going to drink from? No, they just wake up and they go out. And according to God's word, he provides. So one of the first things that I want us to do as a church, I want us to realize that if we put God first, if we take care of God's kingdom first, he'll take care of us as a default setting. You guys know what that means because you all have technology. There are certain settings that when you put them, you know, on technology or devices that we have, whether it be a tablet or a phone, there's a default setting that just goes right back and that's how it's designed to work. Well, the church is designed, and the purpose of the church and the believer is to put God first. To seek, what, first the kingdom of God. And that's what we talked about last week. Again, if we do that, and this is a kind of a paradox. What does that mean? If you do one thing, then it causes another. Right? If you don't do one thing, then it, not, the second won't happen. So kind of a cause and effect if God's first in our lives, we take care of his business, if you will. 
He'll take care of ours. That was last week's sermon as a follow-up and because we weren't meeting in person. I think as a church, we should strive to make Christ first in all our activities. In everything we do, it, he should have priority. Our number one and only alliance is the kingdom of God. That's, that's where we position ourselves. That's where we are. We understand that as a church, then we relieve ourselves of the burden of to worry about all our needs. He'll take care of us. That's true as an individual believer. That's true as a believer who has a family. It's true for your family. But I also believe that that's true for the family of God, the church. So we need to just put him first. And the Lord will take care of us. So that we can take care of his business. It kind of works in the reverse order too, right? So today I want us to look at doing everything in the name of the Lord Jesus. It's found in Colossians 3.17. But if you don't mind, um, let's read these two verses together. I'll read them out loud. You can follow and standing as we show reverence to God's word. This is God's word, right? Do we believe that? you believe that? This is God's word. Say amen. In other words, I mean, you wouldn't want it to be Pastor Robert's word. How many of you would come here today if I said, I, not, not the Lord, I have a word for you? You guys would probably think. And it's coming from, check it out. You know that Bob is the nickname for Robert, right? So I have a word from you. It's in Bob chapter 1, verse 13. You guys are looking at me like, I'm not, I didn't come here to listen to what you have to say. Good, because I'm not here to say what I have to say either. We're here to hear God. We're here to listen to God's word. That actually did make sense. We're here to hear. We're here, H-E-R-E to H-E-A-R. Right? We're here to hear. What's it say? So I pulled these out because this is what uh, the Lord had uh, in my heart this whole week. I couldn't seem to get away from it. Uh, and so I thought, oh, okay, that must be what you want me to preach on this series of the church's mission and our vision as a congregation. It says, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. And whatever you do, Again, and whatever you do, focus in whatever, in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. So let's pray. Amen. Father, we just ask for your blessing on the sermon today and that every word, Lord, that is spoken from this pulpit would be your words. And every thought would be your thoughts, Lord, so that we might learn your ways. And then by learning your ways, by faith, put them into practice. By putting these things into practice that we hear in your word, then we become faithful witnesses to a world that does not know you, but can know you through us. Not just through what we say, but also through what we do. And that's important. Because therefore, we will then fulfill the great commission of taking the gospel, the good news, to all the world. 
And we thank you, Father, for the privilege. And we ask your blessing and protection this morning in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, go ahead and have a seat just for a second. I wanted to just kind of dwell on these verses. If you don't mind, they're up there for you to see. Let's just kind of ask ourselves. And first it says, let the word of God dwell in you richly. So if I let something happen, doesn't that require my free will? Yes? Yeah. There's free will involved. We have to make a decision as Christians. And when you let something, you're allowing it. Can you not let it? Can you resist letting God's word dwell richly in you? Yes, of course, because that's the other side of the coin. Or like I like to say, that's, you know, every tortilla has two sides. You know, when I try to make a quesadilla and I forget that I put it and it burns on one side. Don't tell Sammy. I flip it over, cook the other side. Then I put all the cheese on the inside where it burnt. Fold it and he never knew. He goes, wow, this has got some really good texture. Crunchiness. Oh, yes, it's good. Every thought has an opposing thought. And in this particular thing, Paul's saying, hey, let the word of God or of Christ dwell in you richly. Let it. So, again, as Christians, it requires faith. Because the just shall live by faith. We have to, we have to act upon what God is asking of us. That requires our faith. So obedience is part of faith. We obey because we believe. Amen? So, what does it mean to let the word of Christ dwell richly in you? Dwell means to live in. Or to be at home. So I could easily translate this and say, let the word of Christ live in you. Richly. Right? So if someone went to live with you, you would have to let them in. You have to open the door and say, hey, welcome. Demonstrate hospitality. Right? Make, them, make the word feel comfortable at home. Make the word feel at home in your heart. That's what the passage is saying. It, it, it should permeate every aspect of our life. It should control every thought and every deed. Indeed. It should control, permeate. It should marinate in our hearts. You know, a really, I like to cook. Some of you know that. You know, it's a secret for ribs, the dry rub. And then you put it in the fridge for a while, like I do it for a day. It permeates. When you cut them, you already see that it penetrates. You have to live with it for a while. You know, like, uh, for me, when it comes to cooking, like for instance, a really good soup, it's better the second day. Like, or a lasagna. All those ingredients, they get to talk to each other and get to know each other. It takes time. Well, it takes time in God's Word for it to permeate, for it to penetrate, for it to marinate. That's what we have to do. We have to let it live in our hearts. And by letting it dwell in your hearts, it becomes part of who you are. See, if you're, it's not an accident that we have faith in Christ because the scriptures say in Romans chapter 10 that faith comes from hearing and hearing the word of God. So we got to hear it. And that's what we're doing here today. So all of you are doing the right thing. 
And how should it dwell in our hearts? Richly. Some translations use the word abundantly. So if it's something good like God's word, wouldn't we want it to be abundant? Wouldn't we want it to be richly dwelling in our hearts? How is this done? How does this happen? He says, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom. So, teaching and admonishing are major parts of my ministry. You know, I had to spend time when I felt God's call to try and understand what he wanted me to do. And I know that it was probably at being in my age, having grown up with a Billy Graham, everybody wanted to be that went into ministry the next Billy Graham. Well, I learned real soon, real early in my ministry, you ain't no Billy Graham. Well, it's just like athletes. Oh, uh, for instance, Otani, if you guys follow the Angels and this incredible Japanese superstar that's appeared on the shores of America and he's tearing it up at both sides of the game from pitching aspect and from hitting. And oh, he's like Babe Ruth. And you know what? He says, oh no, I'm just Otani. I'm Shohei. I just want to be me. So when we look at this stuff and we realize the teaching and admonishing the Lord has impressed upon me since I'm also a teacher professionally, that's my mission, that's my, that's my ministry. This is a teaching ministry. Okay, and that's why we go through these verses like I am, literally digging into them to understand what they mean. Because if this is God's word, and he wrote this letter to us through the hand of Paul, and to this church in Colossae. Do you think the Lord is just trying to fill the pages of the Bible? Or does he actually have something to say to us? And if he has something to say to us. Is what he has to say to us important for our lives? Well yeah it's important. So this is the kind of mentality that we need to have. And we should have. Especially when we're looking at allowing God's word to dwell richly in our hearts. What's dwelling in your heart right now? If it's not God's word. What thoughts are in your mind and hearts? What's, it, what's in there? I can tell you for some people. Their minds are full of nothing but negative and evil thoughts. Bitterness, anger, hatred, vengeance. Those are the things of the flesh. Because those are the options. There's the fruit of the spirit. Right? Love and joy and peace and benevolence and patience and all the things that belong to God and then there's the works of the flesh and all those things we know about right so which one is in your heart well I would pray that it would be as Paul was writing here that it would be God's word dwelling in our that we would be teaching it and admonishing it what does admonishing mean I had to look that up. I'm not real sure. Kind of, those aren't words we usually use anymore. Anybody ever been told, I admonish you? You're like, what century are you from? It's like one time, a friend of mine got it confused. This is when I was younger. His name was Joey. And I guess we felt this, we went to witness in a house, and we felt this presence that was really evil. 
And he said later on, he goes, man, inside my heart, I was beseeching Satan. And I'm saying, oh no, you don't want to beseech him. That's like, you know, you want to, you want to uh, reject him. You want to, uh, you know, to rebuke him, not beseech him. He goes, oh, okay, I shouldn't be beseeching Satan. So we get sometimes from the English language, we get these words and we're like, what do they mean? What's he telling us to do? Admonishing simply means warning. I'm glad that some of you actually thought that was funny. As a teacher, vocabulary is... Right, Evelyn? Vocabulary, I mean, you deal with the same kind of crowd I deal with. And they don't even know a word. The whole lesson is lost. And then you go back and explain that one word. You go, oh, I didn't know that's what that meant. They're like in a whole other train of thought. One word. The words matter in the Bible. So what's he trying to tell us? That we should not just teach and learn and grow in our faith, but he also says we should also be aware of, of warnings. Like, for instance, caution, wet paint. And you know, you're going to be the rebel in the crowd. There's no wet paint here. It's signed. And there's a big old thing on your finger, wet paint. Or you don't even ignore it. You sit down, and then you get up, and the whole backside of your shirt is all full of wet paint because you didn't take the warning or the... The signal. God has warnings for us. There's certain things he tells us that we should not be involved in. That we should stay clear of. That we should flee. For instance, Paul tells Timothy, flee youthful lusts. What does that mean? Run from it. It's no good. It's going to lead you down the wrong path. So admonishing is referring to that kind of instruction. That we're to do it in wisdom. God, I'm always just bothered. They're just mean. I thank God that I didn't come up as a pastor in, in, a, in, in, a, in a... I didn't go to a formal seminary. Uh, I, I like to call them cemeteries, but uh, either way, the same thing. I'm, the Lord's taught me. I have my own library. And he's brought me through... Matter of fact, I have a DD degree. What's that? Not a doctor of divinity. I have a desert degree. I've been through the school of hard knocks. That's how I've learned. And what I'm trying to say to you is, there are things that we've learned because we were warned and we didn't take enough caution and we learned the hard way. Right? We usually will learn better that way. You know why? Because it's painful. Anybody here volunteering for that lesson twice? Like God comes and goes, bam! And you're like, let's do it again, Jesus. No. We're not sadists. right? We're not like asking for pain. My prayers is, Lord, if if there's anything I need to do to avoid this, I like kind of know it right now. Right? The, the fire is not a fun place to be, but it is an important place to be because when you go through the fire or when you taste something that's so bad because you decided to go that direction, when you smell it or taste it in, in the future, you stay away. I can smell trouble from a mile away. <laughs> that's trouble. I'm not going near. Right? Taste and see that the Lord is good. Right? We, we hear that. But we can also taste and see that evil is not good. Right? <laughs> One of the problems with ignoring the warnings, if you poke yourself, I don't know, right in the hand with a needle, 
and then you let, you let it go for a day, you do it again in the same place, it starts to harden and starts to scab. You keep doing it, keep doing it, keep doing it, keep doing it. What happens? It gets hardened. Right? Protecting itself, the needle. It's like a regular scar to it. I have one right now on my thumb. I cut myself trying to cut onions for a stir fry a couple Wednesdays ago. I literally almost took off the tip of my... But now it's hard as a rock. It's perfect for tablets. It's really weird like that. What's the callus? It doesn't allow me to feel or to be sensitive because I've allowed something in my life over and over and over and over that's harmed me and disconnected me from God. That's why the warnings are there. So that's verse 16. So really what I wanted to do though is then that teaching and warning are wise. It's wise to to be taught and it's wise to be warned by the Lord. And then it leads to what? Wisdom. And then because we have wisdom, because Christ dwells in our heart richly, then we sing psalms and hymns, spiritual songs with the thankfulness in our hearts to God. We have a grateful heart. See, the word of God dwelling in you richly leads not just to wisdom, but it also leads to joy. It also leads to peace. It also leads to gratitude. Nothing worse than a Christian that doesn't have an attitude of gratitude. Nothing worse. Because they don't know what God... They have failed or they have forgotten or maybe they never understood all that God has done for us. We sang about it. It's all about Jesus. It really is. I mean, it's such a simple thing. You know what I like about Pastor Robert? He's so simple. He said it's all about Jesus. Let's go home. The sermon's over. No, I'm not going to let you guys off that easy. It's all about Jesus. And having a thankful heart, it really changes everything. Our perspective is forever transformed when we have God's word in our hearts. And then he moves to the, really the point of my message. But I wanted to set it up. So whatever you do, based on what we just saw, whether it be words or deeds, whatever. No, Paul was not a valley girl. Whatever. No, he wasn't. Whatever means anything. Anything you do. Whatever that might be. Deeds or words. Do it in the name of the Lord Jesus. What does that mean? What does it mean to do something in the name of the Lord Jesus? I'm going to kind of give you a definition to work with. Doing something in the name of the Lord Jesus means that God's reputation is at stake in your every word and deed. When you claim to be a Christian, people are watching. So his reputation hangs on your words and behavior. The people don't get to know Jesus outside of the plan that God has, and that is that we're the light of the world. Now, God could speak to a mule that could turn around and talk to a prophet who was going in the wrong direction. Rocks could cry out, Jesus said, uh, in the triumphal entry. You know, they didn't like that they were praising Jesus as he entered in that last weekend. And then we find that he goes to the cross. The leaders, when the people were 
singing Hosanna, Hosanna, blessed is he that comes in the name of the Lord. And they were throwing down their cloaks and they were waving these, these uh, palm tree branches and, which was symbolic of, uh, of, of, of the coming Messiah. The, the leaders, the corrupt ones that would eventually put him on the cross said, hey, tell them to be quiet. And he says, Jesus said, they don't worship me. The rocks will cry out. Right? So, Whatever we do as Christian means that God's reputation is at stake by our words and actions. People are watching. Oh, so that, that's what a Christian's like. <laughs> I saw him steal, steal that. Oh man, that person claims to be a Christian and wow, did you see how he got triggered? He got angry. How he flew off the cuff. He turned into a tomato. He was so red. I don't know if I want to be one of those. I'm not too sure that's what I... You know what I'm saying here? Our witness is damaged when we don't understand that our deeds and words mean that God's reputation is also at stake by what we do and say. So another thing we could do is when we're thinking about doing everything in the name of Jesus is that our words then and our actions give testimony to the one we serve and love. In other words, when we talk about the good news of Jesus Christ and that's our testimony, that what we believe is good news, they see our love, they see our benevolence, they see our patience, they see our, our ability to be able to be joyful in the midst of trials. And that gives testimony. So that's what it means to do something of Jesus. Uh, it means that we should ask ourselves when we do something in the name of Jesus uh, that we should say to ourselves, what or who am I living for? That's what it means to do something in the name of Jesus. It simply means that we act consistently with what he is and with what he wants. So his mission, this is where I started with this whole sermon series, his mission to us is our what? Our vision also. Right? It's not uh, two separate things. They're, they go hand in hand. They, they, go, they collaborate with each other. So, if you do something in Jesus' name, then it also means that you do it with the authority that he gave us. So as a pastor, I have the authority to preach God's word. I do not have the authority to be abusive to you. I do not have the authority to, to be nasty. I do not have the authority to tell you what to do. I have the authority to share with you what God says you, could do, you should do. There's a big difference. Leadership shows the way. Leadership leads. And the rest follow. Paul was so brash. And so, well, I, say, I don't mean to say brash. He was so bold. He would say one of his letters, which is a huge responsibility then to those that God has called into leadership. He says, follow me as I follow Christ. And I'm like, what's the criteria? Do not follow anyone if they're not following Christ. This would be the opposite side of the coin. All right? I mean, wow, what a, what a man that, of God to say, hey, follow me as I follow Christ. If I'm not following Christ, do not follow me. Please, get yourself a new pastor. Right? 
So to follow or to do something in the name of Jesus means that we only operate within his authority that he gave us and not in our own authority, which would be abuse of power. There is authority. So ultimately, to do something in Jesus' name means that we're acting as his ambassadors. It means that we're in his place and whatever we do or say that's good, he gets all the credit and he gets all the benefit. Right? We have no benefit or from our deeds except to thank him and then whatever reward he chooses to give us, we accept it. Right? It literally means, and I've said a, a bunch of things so that you can chew on it for a while. What it really, 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 really means is that everything we do is for his cause and for his glory. And that's what we should do as a church. We should be aware of that. If you go down a couple more verses, I'll show you up on the screen. I'm kind of just going to skip through 18 through 22, but I'm going to mention them up. If you go to the next screen there, Eric. Thank you. Notice it says 18 wives and 19 husbands and children, fathers and bond servants. So Paul is talking to those groups of people. I'm not going to get into what he said to them, but there's a lot of good stuff there. I want to get into the verse 23, jump from 18, 19, 20, 21, 22 to 23, because that's who he's addressing. If you're a wife here, a husband here, a child, a father, or an a employee, you're an employee. That's what a bond servant was. Then here's the message today. So we're getting close to the end, but I really want to kind of target in on this. After having said all that Paul has said and what I have said this morning, he says, whatever you do again, notice he's talking about doing, work heartily as for the Lord and not for men. See, the man that God uses, the, the woman that God uses, the child that God uses, knows how to work from where? The heart. You shall love the Lord with all your heart, right? We're to serve Him from the heart. Intimately. Personally. Lovingly. Passionately. We're to serve Him from the heart. Our, our heart is committed to Christ. We serve Him from the heart. Doesn't it say that? Heartily, work heartily as uh, for, for the Lord. find it interesting that it's essential for me to know who I work for. Notice it says, whatever, whatever you do, work heartily as for the Lord. I know in whom or for whom I work. I've said this before, so if I'm repeating myself, you can tune out for a second. But I'll say it once and not a thousand times because it's so important to know this as a Christian. Yolanda, you work for the Rialto Unified School District? You do, but you don't. You work for Jesus. Um, anyone else here with Rialto Unified School District? Oh, Evelyn, do you work for the Unified School District of Rialto? You do, but you don't. Right? Who's your boss, Sarah? Oh, she, she's retired, so she works for Jesus in a retired state. God bless you. I'm, I'm striving toward that goal. All of you, I know we got a lot of district people here. I do not work primarily for the Reno Valley Unified School District. I work for Jesus. He put me there 24 years ago. The greatest blessing of my life. The teaching career. 
We don't work for men. We don't. We do, but we don't. Okay, I'll say it that way. Because we do got, we're here. We're in the world, but we're not of the world. <laughs> it's so much better because if something were to happen to me in my career and somehow, some way or another, they told me to walk, I would know that it wasn't them that told me to walk. To go. It would be the Lord moving me somewhere else. Because he gave me the job. And the story, I think you've heard, and I don't want to do it again, but that job, the way I got that job was nothing short than a miracle. It was, just, it, was a, it was all God how I got that job. I wasn't even looking for it. it. Fell on my lap. See, that's how the supernatural works. It's supernatural. It's more natural than what you could ever imagine. You want things to be supernatural in your life. You want to be able to say when something wonderful happens in your life, like, how did that happen? Man, I never saw that coming. What am I doing here? What's that amount of money in my checking account doing there? It's all God. You don't have to fear for it because he gave it to you and when he wants to move you or take it away, he will. Because the Lord giveth and the Lord takes away, right? But he always moves us into a better place, a growth, a place of advancement and promotion. It's him, right? So what am I trying to get to? Where, where am I going with all this? Well, the other uh, option here in verse 23 is that if we don't understand that we, whatever we do, we should work heartily as for, as for the Lord. In other words, if we don't know for whom we work, then what's going to happen is you're going to be trying to please men. You're going to be trying to please people. You're going to be a people pleaser. Let me say two things about it. You're going to be disappointed when you work and you think it's to please people. There's this man that was pulling a donkey and there was a five-year-old on it. And as he walked by, the people criticized him and the boy. Can't believe it. That boy allowing that man, that older man, to walk. And he's on the back riding. I'm going to guess that the old man put the five-year-old on there. But you, know, you notice there's always going to be someone that's going to be critical. He heard it. He was like, i got to make this right. So the old man kind of turned around and went back. And they came back around, and he was on the donkey. And the boy was pulling it. And the same people go, I can't believe that young man with all the strength and energy that he has would allow that old man, uh, you know, uh, that, that old man would allow that young man to pull. You know what I mean? It's just not fair. That's child labor laws violations right there. And I criticized him because he was on the donkey and the young boy was walking. That's cruel. So he heard it and he was like, gosh, I got to make this right. I got to make these people happy. So then he went back. It's like the third time. He could have already been at his destination, but that's another story. It's like when you swim halfway across the river and you're afraid and you decide to go back. Well, hey, why don't you just swim the rest of the way? You would have had a better destination, right? So in the third trip, you guys are looking at me funny. I do remember the joke. So the third time they come with, both of them are pulling the donkey. And the people criticized them and says, what a bunch of fools. They got that perfectly healthy donkey. They could, one of them could be riding on it. 
you're never going to please everybody all the time. If you're trying to please people, you're going to be miserable to start and you're going to be disappointed because they're always going to not be happy with what you're doing. Who cares? The only audience in which we should be concerned with and wanting to please is Him. No one else matters. No one else is like I say, someone that might have criticized me, I go, you pay my bills? Nope. So then you have no right to speak into my life like that. I pay my own bills. Well, Jesus does. And then, oh, in that story too, it was one of those biblical donkeys. He even splurted out, those guys are weird, they should be riding me. So, if you want to please people or please animals, guess what? You're going to be miserable and you're going to be disappointed. But if you work for the Lord, then you will have peace and joy and a true sense of purpose. And then you know this. Because it's not easy to serve the Lord. It's not easy to work for the Lord. I'm going to say it right out front, but it's a great blessing. There are times it's difficult. There are times where Pastor Robert thinks about, hmm, I wonder if I should do this anymore. But I haven't gotten any permission from the Lord to leave, so I stay. Yeah, I'm human. And then I come around about three seconds later. You know, it just kind of went through my head real quick. And I say, I rebuke you, Satan. In Jesus' name, I don't beseech him. I rebuke him. And guess what? Knowing that from the Lord you will receive the inheritance as your reward. You are serving the Lord Jesus. That's our motivation. The weight of all the suffering, the weight of all the burdens of this life cannot even come close to comparing to the weight of glory that awaits us. The weight that awaits. Did it again. Here and here. You guys get it? It's so awesome to serve Him. So what I want to do this morning, I just want to mention something. I think that whatever we do should be for the glory of God. Whatever we do, we do it for the Lord. We know in whom, who we're serving. And so let's do it right. Let's do it the best we can. I'm not talking about perfection. That's not a biblical concept. I'm talking about let's do it in His grace. Let's do it with His help. But let's do it. I'm going to give you one example of something that happened to me as a young man on a mission trip to Mexico. And I'm going to share it so that we know and that you understand where my heart is and what I believe to be doing whatever it is you do for the Lord with your heart, with your whole heart. So, I speak Spanish. Some of you may question that. That's all right. I still have a Spanish sermon coming up, right? So I was invited one time when I was with another uh, church association. This is 40 years ago. I was a young man. Many years ago. Many moons ago. Many decades ago. So they say, hey, we need someone to translate. And we're going to go down to Mexico. We're going to share the gospel. We're going to give out some stuff. And, and then we're going to go talk to another church. And we're going to try and plan on building a building for them. And, and I was like, hey, I'll go. So I went with this man. He was like a, a leader in this, in this association. And we got there and, you know, they had someone preaching in the hills of Tijuana. I don't know if you've ever been there, but they're very, very humble, very noble, very, uh, very poor people. 
wonderful people, but very, very poor. And I remember that um, someone gave the gospel message, and that was wonderful. And um, then they were going to um, give some clothes out, some clothing. And I, and, and I, I was like, oh, I didn't know that this was going to happen. And what, what, tri- what really got to me thinking and whatever changed my heart forever was that they had the clothing in these trash bags. You know, the brown ones that we, black ones that we use for our grass or whatever. And they, there were like 10 of these bags. They put a huge bed sheet on the floor, which was dirt. And they proceeded to just shake the clothing out of these bags. They're all crumbled up and wrinkly and balled up. And some of them I see they had holes and some of them even looked dirty. And I was like, we just preached the gospel. The good news of Jesus Christ. And the weirdest part about it was they just kept throwing out these clothes. And all the people, these poor people, and I mean it in both ways, these poor people, but poor people they ran and started grabbing like like sharks in a blood infested water it was just the ugliest scene i ever seen in my life then they start fighting over it because one and i was thinking to myself this is doing it all for the glory of god and i thought to myself will never happen in my ministry we had the opportunity to go to Ensenada. I'm just trying to say, this is why I'm saying, whatsoever we do, do it as unto the Lord. Do it the best we can. We went to an orphanage in Ensenada, and we took clothing. And I said, nobody bring, no one's given away used socks or underwear. Don't bring that. Buy new ones. And then if you do, and I know a lot of families where the kids grow up, they still have a great pair of jeans or the osh, bigosh, or whatever they make. They're great, wonderful condition. Wash it, fold it, and we're going to put a little note inside the pocket or the, the, of the pants or the shirt telling them about how much the Lord loves them, and we're going to give it to them with dignity. Because we're doing it for Jesus. It really impacted me. As a young man, I know God was speaking to my heart then. As I was so disgusted that you would just literally throw out these clothing to these people who had just heard the good news of Jesus and needed it so desperately. And yet when it came to offering something, you threw literally your garbage at them. We don't need your garbage from your garage and stuff you don't want. If it's lightly worn, clean, wash it, fold it, put a message in it, and hand it over to a child. Look him in the eye and tell him the Lord loves him. If we can't do it that way, at least here at this church, we're not doing it. We're not going to do it. We're going to do it as unto the Lord. As his representatives. And whatever we do, the most disappointing part about the whole trip was on our way back. We stopped at the border crossing after we had gone to this other church that needed materials to build. This pastor asked me to talk to the border people. So we got out of our cars and went into these offices. And you know that if you take material down into Mexico, you have to pay taxes. I'll never forget all in the name of Jesus, he asked me how much of a bribe they would take. And I said, I won't do it. 
I will not translate. What? Nope. The Lord doesn't need us to bribe people to do his work. He's the owner of the cattle on a thousand hills. All the silver and gold is his, the scriptures say. He will provide. And I remember we did not talk for two hours back to Riverside. And he crushed his soda that was in the middle council. I saw him crushing it. And he went up the 805 further than you should have and had to cut across to the 15. He was so distracted because I said no. Because you know what? The Lord deserves the best of us. And Cross Point Community Church, if we put the Lord first, as I said last week, all these other things will be added to us. We don't need to think about them. And if we do as unto the Lord and do it with excellence, He will bless our work. He will reward us, if not here, in the kingdom to come. He is worth serving. So I end with 1 Corinthians 15, 15. Therefore, my beloved brothers, be steadfast and movable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that in the Lord your labor is not in vain. It's worth it. Amen. Let's bow our heads. Father, thank you. Uh, Thank you for allowing uh, the word to speak to um, this congregation, those that belong to you, and help us to shape our thinking that is 100% in, in synchronization with your purposes and your will and with the good news of the gospel. And whatever we do, let us do it as unto you and let it be for your glory and honor I pray Lord we know Lord that you that there is a great need right now in this community people are starving for the truth there's so much confusion and so many lies and so much corruption around us and burdens that we carry that we need not and we have your word we have your truth we have the words of life Help us to always take on the work of the gospel, the work of the ministry with consideration, Lord, that we're doing it, doing it for you and that you will be honored and you will receive all the credit. So thank you for the privilege. And we ask all of this in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, you guys, we are going to receive our offering now who's going to help me out this morning let's see anybody else want to help out it's it's okay whoever wants to whatsoever you do do it heartily amen well we're uh, taking the offering before they do I just want to let you know that um Part of my motivation for this is I want us as a church to begin to look forward, to consider uh, advancing in in our ministry. Right now we have a lot of needs. I want to talk more about that toward the end of my series. But we have some needs here that need to be uh, met. And the only one that's going to be able to do it is the Lord, but he's going to use us. Amen. So let's just thank him for the opportunity to give this morning. Heavenly Father, we thank you. What is that? Oh, hold on. My 
my tablet for some reason went to something else. There it is. Okay, Heavenly Father, thank you again for uh, this opportunity to be able to, to, uh, to give. Uh, we can outgive you, that's for sure. And you have a heart of giving because you, uh, we know that God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. You're a giver. So Father, use us, we pray, to, to bless others and to bless this ministry. And just uh, we ask that you make every provision for them as you always have. You're the, every good thing comes from above. We know that. You're the one that, and you're the reason uh, that we have what we have and we're thankful. So we want to share a little bit of that for this ministry so that the gospel can continue to be preached. We're so grateful and we're so thankful, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. And while they're wrapping that up, wonderful. I do want to take one minute, and I don't want to embarrass anyone, so that's not the reason, but we do want to welcome Gregory and Emily, if you don't mind uh, saying hi. Go give them a, a Christian handshake or hug, right, in Jesus' name, amen. So we're happy to see you. They came on Wednesday. And so uh, they came and visited again. So we're happy to have you here. And, um, and anything we can pray with you about or help you with, that's what we're here for. Amen. So God bless you guys. So, and the rest of you, good to see you. Uh, your smiles. Amen. Go take on the day. Go take on the week. In Jesus' name. We are dismissed.